Are there unorthodox ways to work recovery? We're so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive in your relationship. Guys, welcome to The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert, a Beyond Enough production. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brandon, the expert. And he's definitely an expert. You've been working to help couples with their extreme challenges for like 15 years, right? Yeah, a long time. And I'm glad that I'm here with you guys sharing your vulnerable story. And I hope that it helps our listeners as well. Absolutely. And if you need some help getting started, we have a free resource over at beyond-enough.com forward slash step one. And that's one, the number. It provides the first key steps to healing your relationship, regardless of how tough things are right now. All right, guys, let's roll. That's a a really cool question. It's teed up a really unique and special episode that we're excited about. Before, however, we get into that, we're just going to read a quick review from a listener over on the podcast app. Says, new listener here, my partner and I, my, excuse me, uh, my partner and I are able to have great communication most of the time, but sometimes get in fights that are damaging to our relationship. I was searching to be better. Uh, I was searching to better understand passive aggressive behavior and communication and found your podcast on it. Last night, we listened together and it was transformative. We were able to finally understand the whole dynamic of passive aggressive and then passive aggressive communication and what it looks like to be vulnerable and assertive instead. Listening to your podcast cleared our mental confusion, took the fear out of our hearts and opened us up to a great conversation after. The lessons in it helped us understand our situation in a whole new light. We have even shared a laugh at some times of the things you guys were saying. I'm glad that someone else is laughing with this. Uh-huh. Uh, the genuine forgiveness, intimacy, and constructive conversation we are able to have after listening is priceless. Thank you a million times. We look forward to learning from you guys. Thank you. Very kind review. Thanks for leaving that. And if you haven't yet, you jump over, rate, review over on the podcast app or on iTunes. Love to hear from you. And yes. uh, yeah, appreciate the... Can I, the review. can I just speak to that review? Because I, I learned passive aggressiveness, like I mastered it and sometimes it still pops out a little bit, but one of my favorite shows that we watch at the end of the day, oh, Shit's Shit's Creek, Creek, for sure. and they're not passive aggressive. And I'm like, this is why I love this show is they're just like, they're just saying it, they just say it and it <laughs> works and they work through their stuff so fast. And I'm, I just love it. So. There's way less collateral damage I'm observing. Of course, it's a written TV series. They're following a script, but still it's like, is it really that simple? I know. How'd they just work through that that fast? Okay. Um, So we're excited to have today's guest. Uh, We have Garrett Johnson with us. And um, Garrett was, uh, had pornography was his secret vice and almost destroyed his marriage. He was determined to help other people combat porn addiction. So he ran 30 marathons in 30 days while handcuffed during each marathon. He then a month later biked 3,800 miles across the United States, dragging chains behind him to symbolize the heaviness of addiction. Now he works with fight the new drug, uh, full-time as their podcast, um, producer producer yes and um also um is raising awareness about the harmful effects of pornography using science facts and personal experiences so we're excited to have um garrett with us because he has had an unorthodox uh journey of recovery 
and it's very powerful to uh, hear it from Garrett himself. So that's why we have him here with us. So thank you for being here. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. If I look at uh, my journey of recovery, you two were some of the first people that I saw online that were public Is about that true? it. I think so. From what I remember, I mean, it's been about <laughs> it's five years now, <laughs> but from what I remember, it seems you guys are like veterans in this game. So I, I have benefited from you two and from the stuff you put out. And so for me and for us, if I threw a drug, we're, you know, we're grateful for the opportunity to be here oh, today. Cool. Too, so. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Appreciate and I remember seeing the, your whole journey and starting out being like, what in oh the gosh. world? She's this guy like, is look crazy. What is happening? <laughs> it was pretty cool. The, the elite athlete, right? So um, I would love to just hear you share uh, a little bit about who you are and your story so we can get started. Yeah. So I am 34 years old. Um, the, ba- the basics here. Um, I'm married. I have, we have three kids and um, we have a seven-year-old, a six-year-old and um, uh, almost three-year-old. And we, we live in Utah and, um, you know, I grew up here born and raised and I grew up playing sports was a, an interest of mine, but really just having fun was my biggest priority then. And, um, and yeah, today, fast forward to today and I work with fight the new drug as the podcast host and um, a presenter. And so I get to travel and do, do presentations like junior highs, high schools, and colleges, and talk about the harmful effects of pornography using science facts and personal accounts, just like you mentioned. So that's kind of a little bit about me. I, I don't love that. I, I hate doing that because it's always like, what do I talk about? You know? Um, <laughs> totally. That's why we had you do it, not us. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett, I think there's a, I, I, I mean, you went through that pretty quick, but I think, but I think there is um I think there's a really interesting statement that you made, which is um, I, I just like, I played sports. I enjoyed them, but I really just wanted to have fun. And um, my suspicion is Garrett, that, that that deep thread in you to have fun is, is probably closely tied to adventure and challenge. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Both of which you have, you have lived uh, to the fullest. I'll say. Yeah. Um, but but talk about, if you will, um, what, how, how big of a role did that play for you in having fun and adventure and challenge? You know, we're kind of touching on Wild at Heart here, but how much of that played a role for you in saying, I want to take control of this. I want to, um, I want to, I want to face this. I want to beat this. Or how did you, I mean, maybe even go back. How was that even a problem? How did you see it as something that you wanted to fix? Yeah. Um, so my pornography consumption, I I was first exposed when I was like five, I used to think that it was nine. I used to always say nine. And until about two years ago, I realized that I was, you know, hiding some memories back there that I wasn't ready to address. And it was actually five years old was my first time exposure, but I don't think it became a compulsive behavior for me, um, until around 2007, when I got a smartphone, I was born in 86. And so my pornography consumption, I sought it out, just like Kobe asked, I was all about having a good time. And so pornography for me at that time was just about the good time, right? I didn't have many conversations about it. 
Um, I just, I, I, because I sought it out early or because I was exposed to it early and then sought it out throughout my life, it was just something that I didn't, didn't put much attention to, or uh, like I said, I was just doing it impulsively. So I think the compuls the compulsion started around 2007 and, um, and then I got married in 2010. And one thing that I've been, I was I'm gifted at, at least when I was younger, more so, but it was just physical activity. And so to answer Kobe's question of like, how did I incorporate the adventurous side? And then also to answer your question, Ashlyn, of like, how, why did I decide that I wanted to address this challenge and remove it from my life? Um, I had done some challenging things in my life in regards to physical activity, I mean, in endurance events, and I was able to accomplish those things, but I wasn't able to stop consuming porn. So like, I was able to, I was able to do an iron, like a full Ironman and I didn't even really train for it. And I finished it. And then I was able to run a hundred miles straight. It's an, it's like one of the most challenging endurance events in the world. It's the Wasatch 100. We, we're like the helpers on those races. We don't oh, you run are? Them. Yeah. We've, we've helping is for a couple of races, right? We're like, I cannot. That's where we're at. Going. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of where I'm at right now, to be honest as well. But yeah, I was able to do this. And, I, and for the Wasatch 100, I, I finished in 35 hours and I didn't even, the furthest that I ran before that was six miles what? for training once a week. And once a week, oh, then, um, so anyway, I was able to do these things, these feats in like, it just came naturally to me and I didn't really ever have to work for them, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so I never had to put in the work and then it just came so naturally. And then so when I started to stop wanting to, when I wanted to s- stop consuming pornography, it was like, okay, let's try and stop. And then I couldn't. Mm. So I was like, whoa, this is weird. Cause I can, I can really control my nutrition. Well, at least I used to be able to control my nutrition better. <laughs> I was able to uh, do these endurance events and, but I couldn't stop consuming pornography. And I tried to stop again and again and again. And um, so I think for me, I was getting frustrated and it was starting to preoccupy my mind more and more. And um, I just noticed that it was starting to really have some negative effects on me, but I could not stop. Hmm. Go ahead, Brandon. Garrett, when you, um, so, so when it all kind of busted open, like you, you got honest about it, you started talking about it. Um, it seems like you quickly went to um, like doing some crazy stuff and advocacy. So, uh, I mean, you're running marathons, you're, so, I mean, you quickly went from, you know, usually a lot of the, Kobe talks about this a lot. We work with guys who, who really focus on the don't, like mm-hmm. just stop, stop touching your penis, right? Like stop looking at porn, stop playing with yourself, like stop that. And then everything will, will be good. And you focused quickly on the do and you became, you realized this, this thing is so much bigger than you just stopping a behavior. It actually has become somewhat of a life mission, it seems like, and you're an advocate. How, how did you, like, how did you get there so quickly and realize like, I'm going to go be a part of the solution? And the shame around that, like there, it just seemed like you were able to push through that in such a unique way. Yeah. It's kind of a, 
by the way, I appreciate the free therapy session. You guys. <laughs> I just, just want to say that. Oh, no, we're sending, you're making me think right we're now. We're sending you a bill. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. This is... <laughs> I like it. Um, man, you know, when I was 16, I put the goal to ride my bike across the United States. And it oh, was man. in my journal. Like, it was on my bucket list. I had a bucket list early on. And um, so then when I heard the presentation by Fight the New Drug, it was really the first time that I had had a, a conversation or at least I wasn't a conversation because they were just presenting to the, the community. But it was the first time that I heard the information that made this more normal, because before that night, before I went to the presentation, I felt very isolated. Like I was mm -hmm. the only one with this challenge. Why can't I stop? And then to hear some of the science and research and personal accounts, I think for me, it was very freeing. I was like, oh, my goodness. This is, I don't know if I ever would have quit if it wasn't for Fight the New Drugs presentation that I heard, um, unless I ran into another organization or another resource like your guys's, right? But whatever resource it was, for me, it was Fight the New Drug. Mm -hmm. And if I never ran into that, then I wouldn't, have, I don't know if I ever would have quit. And I probably, I think that eventually it would have been too much for me mentally and emotionally. And I think it probably would have affected our marriage even more than it already no did. Question. So then when I, uh, I think what led me to be so pro, like an activist for this was that I was just grateful that I had the opportunity to hear about it. And I was so grateful that I had an opportunity to change and improve myself that I wanted to give that opportunity to someone else. Right. Yeah. But in, but in turn, does that like you being an activist, an advocate, putting yourself out there, working for Fight the New Drug, th does that, I'm, I'm sure that helps with your, your compulsions, right? To, to just stop the behavior because you're kind of focused on other things and, and you got a life mission and purpose and, and all those things going on, right? Yeah, I think that it definitely does help. Um, so in some ways, when we talk about how I took like an unorthodox route toward recovery, I think that was my, part of my therapy was that, the those activities and then also just learning about the harmful effects of pornography and how it can become a compulsive behavior as i learned about that the more and more i learned i was just kind of rewiring my brain and then if you look at i didn't do um aa personally but i would definitely benefit from it there's nothing i would yeah like I, the only reason why i didn't do it is just because of time it's a great resource, but the 12th step is connect with or help someone else. I think yeah. if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. And so I think I got a lot of that 12th step mm -hmm. by doing the 30 marathons and 30 days in handcuffs and then the coast to coast and change. So I got like this overdose of that 12th step in some ways. <laughs> and so I definitely benefited from that as well. It was something that was done out of self-interest, but also out of a desire to help other people. Right. And if you, so, so Garrett, at what point did you, at what point did you cross the bridge of like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I want to be able to share this publicly. And so that's, that's, that's a declaration of mm -hmm. this is what I'm going to do, but that it's also, um, it, it comes with a catch to say, this is where I've been. How, what was that? What was that journey like to make that mental decision for you, for your partner, um, to, to just face that and say, we're going to plow through this anyways. So I think it's important to mention that 
I mentioned AA, like Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever it is, Sexaholics Anonymous. I think there's benefits. There's a reason why they call it AA, right? And not AI, like Alcoholics Identified, <laughs> because there is health and there's benefits to, to anonymity. And so the, when I did the 30 marathons and 30 days in handcuffs, at marathon 26 is when my wife encouraged me to be more public. Before that, I just wanted to build awareness. I didn't want to talk about my personal challenge with pornography. I was just trying to push people to fight the new drug. And um, at Marathon 26, my wife was like, well, you're talking about changing the conversation, but you're not willing to have a conversation about your own challenge publicly. So that's a little bit hypocritical. And so she's like, you should just you should just be more public, be more open. And so at Marathon 26, when I was about to finish is when I talked about my personal challenge with pornography. And, you know, it definitely was not easy to talk about that publicly and still isn't the easiest thing in, in the world. So, yeah, there are lots easier things than, than, uh, than saying, okay, that was me. I, I know that for sure. Well, I know, that for I know sure. you guys do. I want to call out your wife here because super supportive for her to one, encourage you to go and do something like this and be gone. And, you know, she's taking care of kids full time. Yeah. Um, but also to say, go and share and not feel that shame of, I totally felt the shame. Like Kobe wanted to share before we, I did. And I was like, no, no, no. I protected, you know, this story for so long. Why on earth would we share it? And so I commend your wife because I was not like your wife. It took me a while to get there. Um, so it's pretty awesome. Um, uh, oh, oh go, Ashlyn, I cut you off. Go ahead, please. No, you're fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I think what you did, Garrett, is so freaking cool. And, and so like, I, I, I feel like a lot of the, the guys struggling with addiction that I work with, they come and they pay for therapy and they, they go to therapy, but they don't really do anything different. Like they don't change anything about their life, but then they, they expect different results. And so, I mean, here you are and it's like, okay, I'm going to go run 30 marathons in 30 days. I'm now going to ride my bike across the country. Oh, by the way, I'm getting a job with fight the new drug and I'm running their podcast. Like your life drastically started to shift and change and the inputs into your life change drastically once you really decided that this is something you're going to address and, and deal with. Um, but a lot of people have a hard time doing that. And um, I, it seems like it kind of comes naturally to you. Uh, is that true? Is that? Um, I can totally relate to people who have a challenge making changes, even if they're healthy changes, mm -hmm. I can really relate I know that it can appear because of the things that I did with like the marathons and the ride, but those weren't changes for me because I had already ridden my bike from Vancouver, Canada to the bottom of Washington on a self-supported tour. Hmm. And before I did the marathons, I had already done a marathon without training and I did the Ironman without training and I did the Wasatch 100 without training. Like I was, I was healthy. I was in really good shape. But those, so when I did the the 30 marathons in 30 days and the the, the ride across America, I can't give myself credit for changing 
because those were just me. That was my authentic self that I was already there. And so I, I'm still working on implementing things on the daily that go against who I want to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And I still have struggles with those things. Dude, so we all the do. rebuild, right? It's like, do. okay, this is who I want to become. And what Brandon was, you know, describing in, in your journey, I think when we put ourselves in the places we want to be more like, you know, I want to be a person who's free of this, you know, the chains, like you said, the, the thing yeah. that's dragging me down. So I'm going to put myself in places that, you know, are going to lift me up and are going to shift my thinking and change that narrative. Um, it, that's what you did. You put yourself in those places and th- those things came. It looks like to me, yeah. um, which is, you know, that's how some of our best friends and the best experiences. I mean, Brandon has came into our life because of this journey. And we put ourselves in places where, you know, I want to be around people who are successful in not just one area, but like so many different areas. Right. Right. And yeah, I think that, yeah, I think you're right. And I, I did incorporate things into my daily life because mine was specific about pornography. Um, And so I incorporated things into my daily life to educate myself. And it was simple as, because back then the only resource I really knew about was I knew about (laughs) YouTube and I knew about Fight the New Drug. And that was really the only resources that I had to turn to. So it was just about incorporating a little bit of education on the daily. Mm-hmm. And that for me was very simple, but it was something that did help me on my way. Like you're saying, Ashlyn, like surround yourself with people you want to be like, do things that you want to, that are going to incorporate things into your life that are going to make you healthier. And so those were a couple of things that I did to try to mold myself into a healthier version of myself. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so so Garrett, I want to just point something out. Do you feel like that you were? Um, I I I I think that the 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 terms changed, and um, I think the term changed is is really important in in relationship to your thirty marathons in thirty days and riding thirty hundred miles. Because my guess is that if I was to say, hey, after having done those, are you the same person? You would probably answer no, I'm not the same person having ran 30 marathons in 30 days and you know, having rode 3,800 miles. Is that a fair statement for me to say that you're not the same person in as much as that was yeah, pretty like... I think... Yeah, well, it was done with such deep intention, whereas think, yeah, probably your other to... ones weren't, right? Yeah, I think it's almost... I, I don't want to compare it to like giving birth right but i wanted to ask you ashlyn of like when you gave birth or like kobe you're your thing when like you told the truth and you the things you've addressed like those powerful moments mm-hmm. are moments that do change you and so yeah. i'd say yeah i'm definitely a different person yeah um and i think that those moments I kind of felt like giving birth like running that far you know sure. or going it was i don't know what yeah. it feels like to give birth but I yeah, know. Care, careful, painful. you never you never compare you know, the pain. Of- I'm not. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Just be careful, Jared. My wife knows that. That's, yeah, she's the only one who knows how that feels in our relationships. So. Right. But I do remember, and uh, you have a video that fight made, where you shared, you know, the some 
the symbolism of I'm, you know, carrying these chains and there's no way I could coast on that bike because they were these heavy chains, whether they're around you or you're dragging them. Um, but then they started to break off. And by the end of that ride, things were lighter and yeah. it was so symbolic. And I, and I thought, okay, so maybe he, you, you weren't doing the things that have brought the change that you live today, but it got you into this place of like, centered right i'm really grounded in i want this change yeah and i see you know it's just to me go watch his video one because it's so passionate and it the symbolism to me just speaks like i can't help but watch it and be like oh like i tear up and and you'll find that outside the new drug yes right yeah yeah i think that have you heard that saying that says you have to run as fast as you can just to stay in the same place and I don't know if that is true or not, but I kind of feel that way sometimes. Like life is busy, mm-hmm. you know, life is challenging and you kind of have to run as fast as you can just to stay in the same place. And I think that can relate to those chains a little bit and to compulsive behaviors because I just got to the point where I was like, man, life's challenging because at this time we had two kids mm-hmm. and I was running as fast as I could, you know, with all of the things we have to do as a as adults. And I just started realizing like I had no room. If I want to move forward, I have no room for a compulsive behavior in my life. And those chains are symbolic of that because when I started my bike ride, I started with chains on my dragging behind my bike and the carabiner wore away and um, that held those chains on. So the friction wore that, that metal away and they started falling off little by little. And at day 21 of my ride, the, all the chains had fallen off. And I didn't plan for that to happen, but I'm so grateful that it did <laughs> because it was just the worst thing ever. And um, I can really, that really relates to our compulsive behaviors. It's like, man, we're riding on, the, we're in this journey of life. And, you know, we, you have to run as fast as you can just to stay in the same spot. Well, how do you get ahead when you have a compulsive behavior? You know, yeah. So, can that I chain. Take, can, I want to take your analogy one step further and, and just, you know, the friction is what wore off the, the chains. And so I think, I think how I interpret that is sometimes the discomfort mm. and, and just the, 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 you know, the hard stuff actually refines you totally. and sets you free in a lot of ways. A hundred percent. We just listened to that review of your podcast, mm-hmm. right? And that person had to take the time. It wasn't comfortable. Right. It wasn't the most fun thing in the world, right? It's not like they're enjoying Shit's Creek, like for some escapism, <laughs> right? Right? You guys do a great job of entertaining, but it's a pro. It's like it's they're going there to learn, and it's not fun. Kind of like what you're saying. So that person got that reward because they had the friction there. Like they stepped they into it. Yeah, they stepped yeah. into it. Absolutely. That's a that's a big thing. Um, sorry, Brandon. I think I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, okay. go ahead. Okay, so so I, I think there's something really cool about this to me, Garrett. There Actually, there's a lot of things, like I said, but um, as it relates to your running, right? I, I think this is a really interesting thing because I, I want to just say this. There, for In my experience, as far as recovery is concerned, you're very, very normal in that. Most people, and Brandon, you can speak to this too all day. Most of the people, as a rule that I work with in, in a group or one-on-one setting are highly successful in totally. life, whether it's academics, whether that's their career, whether that's business, I mean, all kinds of people. Okay. Yeah. 
and and yet and yet there is this this part of them that um, they just can't believe is taking place that that, that they can't believe is it, it, this part of them exists that causes such pain and discomfort and it's like why can't I like you said why can't I go run a marathon why can't I go to a full Ironman not training just yeah. go do it and why can't I stop my consumption of porn and um and and so I want to just say you're so normal in that. Mm -hmm. um, most people don't know how to bridge the gap between the highly successful behaviors, habits, um, ways of existing, living professionally. How do I how do I transfer that into my personal life so that I can get the same benefit? And and that's just a skill set that needs to be learned. And 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 but but my point is is that you're in a way, in my opinion, you are in a way better position and in a way better place in life because of that. The danger though, and I think that, that what your, your example is, is really interesting because um, it is possible for people to run, run an effort to um, be predisposed, preoccupied, mm. right? The running. And, and we can use that literally in your case where it's like the running can be this thing to just numb the pain that's taking place, but you didn't, you didn't. Okay. It was super fruitful because what you were saying was, is that is that while you were out, you were very intentional with consuming information that would help you move forward in recovery. And, um, and, and when you're out on the road, I can only imagine, right, for 60 days, uh, you know, riding across the country, no one's going to be there to say, hey, did you get your, did you get your, you know, devotional in? Did you get, you know, did, did you fill yourself up today? but you still did that. And I think that's really important because there's always, in my opinion, there's always been space in my head and in my heart that um, that's fought over, whether it's the addiction or whether it's the authentic me. And I think that's a really key part about this to, to keep front of mind is, is we can run. Um, you did run, but you also consumed the right information, the right kind of uplifting material that's going to help you move forward. And I really think that's a big deal because it would be very easy to say, I'm going to keep running marathons. I'm going to keep cycling. I'm going to keep, you know, doing Ironmans, but that's just a substitute for, that could be a substitute for, for doing your own work. Yeah. And, um, and so I tip my hat to you in a big way to be so intentional with that. And I'm, and I'm curious at the same time, tell us what some of your key takeaways were um, when you were writing and when you were running, what were the key changes, takeaways that you had? When I did my runs and when I did my ride, one of the goals that I put was to not listen to any audio. So oh, no wow. music, no podcast, no books. It was just me Your and head, the road. Which is scary sometimes, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so when Kobe, when you mentioned inten intentionality, that was one of my intentions was to be alone with myself. And That's um, scary, dude. That's scary. Yeah, we're talking about uncomfortable stuff, right? <laughs> I think that can be more uncomfortable than an actual marathon. Mm -hmm. yeah of getting getting really aware of how you're feeling you know we feel so many emotions and the sadness and all those things come in and so I think being alone was one of the takeaways having time to I'm more of an introvert mm -hmm. so my alone time is important to me because I think it does energize me and uplift me and so I can't speak for extroverts but I think alone time can be one of the takeaways that I was able to benefit from 
on that was just being alone, really lots of introspection of what I want out of life, why I want it, and what am I willing to do to achieve that. Um, another thing, another takeaway from those events was that I mentioned that I wasn't really prepared to do those things. Um, in some ways I, ha I had a little bit of preparation and I was confident that I would be able to finish them, but I really wasn't prepared fully. And I think that the takeaway there is that um, unprepared, being unprepared is a realistic place to start. Yes. <laughs> Say more. Yeah, I think that, like I talked about how I wasn't ready for therapy, even though I know that my wife and I would benefit from therapy. And I think that can relate to this as well. It's like, I wasn't prepared for therapy, but I would have benefited from it if I would have done it, if I would have made it happen. Um, like when I bought my plane ticket to go to Virginia to ride my bike across the United States, I had gotten new panniers and I had never done, I'd done a tour, like a five day tour, like I mentioned from Vancouver to the bottom of Washington, but I never, I've never done a tour of that size across the whole United States. And so I bought new panniers and I had my bike ready and I shipped it out, but I did not put the stuff in my panniers one time before the day that I started April 6, 2016. That was the first time that I put all my stuff in my bike to see if it would fit. And that just shows a little bit of like my personality and there's definitely pros and cons to that. It's a lot like Kobe. <laughs> yeah. So Kobe and I would be friends on, on road trips, I guess. You would be a mess on, on a road trip. <laughs> ready, <laughs> shoot, aim. Yeah. Ready, shoot, aim. Yeah. So I think that the takeaway there is, man, you're never going to be real prepared. Yes. And so I, think, I think it's just about starting. I think um, sometimes we think we need to get motivated and then we'll do something. And I think sometimes we just need to do something and then, and then the momentum of yeah. that will get the motivation going. Yeah. And, right. and so you going out there and just kind of hopping on your bike and what do you know, you're riding across the country now. So I mean, that's yeah. kind of how you make it sound, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how it was. I've heard something that it was like uh, mood follows action. Yeah. And, so, and I think it kind of works both ways where action follows mood and mood follows action. Yes. Oh, yeah. But, um, you're a good example of, you know, you, you didn't do a ton of formal therapy, you say, no. and, and, um, I'm a therapist. I specialize in sex addiction treatment and recovery. And, and you'd think that I would say, Hey, you got to go to therapy. There's one size fits all come to my program. No, I don't buy that at all. I think, uh, what you're talking about is so therapeutic, like being alone with the road and getting yes. to know yourself, um, pain tolerance, like learning how to sit in pain and just sit in pain. Yeah. I'm not saying everybody needs to go run 30 <laughs> marathons, but I had a guy, he started a hobby farm and raised a bunch of rabbits. And that was the most therapeutic thing that he, he could have ever done for himself. So um, there are unorthodox ways to, to, uh, to recover. And I, I think as long as it, this is what I believe, as long as it leads you to God, as long as it leads you to knowing who you are and, and, and actually loving yourself again, then um, that's recovery. And so hopefully that's what therapy helps people do. Hopefully that's what riding across the country helps you do as well. Um, but ultimately recovery is just having peace. It's, it's having some serenity in your heart. 
And it sounds like you found a good way to, to really start that journey and, and to do that, Garrett. So good job. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. I think that I had a cool moment just a couple of days ago and, um, the moment it was really simple, but it was a special moment for me. And, um, I just recently decided that I want to cut my kid's hair. So, and the reason why is because it's just more time for me with them. And, um, so I started watching some YouTube videos and I got some stuff on a, off uh, Amazon, just the basics to be able to cut hair. And, um, the first time I've cut their hair twice now. And the first time it was better. The second time was actually worse. The first time there's a few little mistakes. You knew you know? what you were doing, right? I don't know what happened. Beginner's <laughs> luck. But the takeaway was I was like, okay, well, the, after the haircut, I was kind of just hoping that they'd be patient with me, even though their hair was, and there's a couple of mistakes there and they're six and seven years old. So they're a little bit more patient than maybe a teenager would be. But as, a, as they were sitting in the chair, like for me, the special moment, and we're talking about recovery and like, what does recovery look like? And what does it feel like to be healed? Well, when I was cutting their hair, I just had this moment of like, where I kind of teared up just a little bit and they didn't like, it wasn't enough for them to know, but it was just like this moment of like this special moment of like, goodness, how fortunate am I to be able to sit here with my, my, my kids. And um, so I think that when you're saying, is it okay if I call you B? Absolutely. I heard Kobe call you B. <laughs> yeah, so call me B. We're boys. Um, so when I heard you talking about the importance of being by yourself and what, what does recovery look like? And I think the presence, the, uh, the amount of awareness that I have today, I think that it's, um, I'm not, I definitely need more awareness at times but I also am able to really enjoy some moments of bliss. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that would have come like, that's part of my reward. The fact that I did address it and it was not fun to address it. One of the awards that I just received recently was that, that moment of giving a haircut. Yeah. Kind of weird the gratitude, the mindfulness that you felt. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The presence. And there was just so much demanded. There. Yeah. To be that present with your kids and their right. hair. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to really, I mean, that, that sounds trite. Like that sounds maybe even a little bit cheesy, but it, but it's true though. Like you were that present in the moment with your kids yeah. and, and were that connected to what their needs were and what you wanted to do. And I think it's beautiful. And, yeah. and that's another example of, of exactly Brandon, what you said, which is like, there's all kinds of ways to recover and there's no one size fits all. And, um, and, and I, and I think that's, uh, I think that's really important for people to understand and hear on this is recovery will always meet you where you are. It, I mean, it always will. And to your point, Garrett, it's, it's a, a matter of starting. We always hear this. It's the start that stops people. Right. Cause it's like, do I have to be all in to do this? It's like, mm -hmm. no, you can buy your plane ticket and still not have your <laughs> bike outfitted with all the yeah. gear that it needs. Cause you can figure that out. Yep. There's a YouTube video for that, right? And so it's like you you can figure yeah. it out along the way. And if you stay connected and have the right support system in place, which Brennan, you talk about that a ton, having the right support system in place, then um, then your efforts will be fruitful, mm -hmm. no matter no matter what efforts they are. Yeah. And uh, I think the story just overall is is just beautiful, Garrett. Any um, what words of hope or encouragement would you give to that person who is legit in the throes? 
of like, should I tell, should I not tell? Um, how am I going to get out of this? You know, cause they're, those are, those are dark corners of life and existence. What would you say to them? Um, eventually I, I had to go there. I was in one of those corners and, um, eventually I just had to say like, was I willing, you just kind of have to accept the hand that you have. Like you just have to, um, accept that you don't have to control because I, I didn't tell, I think that room, when you're talking about dark corners, it got darker for me because of fear. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yes. So I think that one of the ways I was able to remove the darkness and turn the light on was, um, or shine some light in there was once I realized that I shouldn't be scared of possible outcomes. Yeah. And once I accepted that, that acceptance gave me enough hope that I was like, well, I want to address this. And part of addressing it is telling the truth. So then I told the truth and, um, on marathon 26. Oh yeah. No, well, I was more talking that, about with my wife publicly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Du- dual meaning there. But I was like, that's, I mean, I, I see totally what you're saying. Yeah. For me, it was, it was very scary to tell my wife the truth because, um, all the reasons I, did, I didn't, dude. yeah, I didn't know how she would react. And, and, um, you know, I really care about her and I, at the time cared about her. And so I didn't want that to hurt our relationship. And so it was a weird balance because you, you're lying because you care in a way. I don't want to say it was the only reason why I was lying, but it was one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. I think the, the advice I would give would just be eventually you have to tell the truth if you want to improve. The way out is to face the fear, Yeah. face the fear, deal with it. And then you're not stuck in that dark hole anymore and you can live your life in the light. So, um, uh, one last question for you. I, um, so we had clay on, uh, a couple years ago, I think it's been mm-hmm. a while. Um, so clay, clay's the, the founder of fight the new drug for those of you who don't know. And he's, he's the man, he's, he's an advocate. He's, he's just, he's an awesome guy. And, um, so we had him on a couple years ago, but it's been a while since we've talked about fight the new drug and you, you run the podcast. Um, if you could quickly just kind of give us the overall message that, that you share with the world and, and promote, um, just kind of share with us what that is. Yeah. So I just want to agree with you that, yeah, Clay is a person that's done a lot of good in the world. And, um, I just want to express gratitude for him and for all of the founders of Fight the New Drug, and also for all of the fighters that we do have around the world, I'm just really grateful because I've benefited from Fight the New Drug, the organization. Same. And um, so my heart's full of gratitude to all that. Um, In regards to the message that we try to promote, you know, our mission statement is to educate individuals on the harmful effects of pornography using science, facts, and personal accounts. Um, we are a non-religious and non-legislative organization, which, mean, which means we're not trying to ban pornography. And um, we don't talk about religious or religion or morals. Um, we, we do stick to the science, facts, and personal accounts. Um, 
And what we do with the podcast is we just talk to individuals like activists and per people with personal accounts and influencers and experts. And we just, uh, the, the name of the podcast is Consider Before Consuming. And so it's just that, is just putting forth information that people can consider before consuming pornography. Awesome. And um, so that's that's our goal I, with the podcast. I love it. And I love the documentary you guys have as well. So yeah. um, I do try to promote that as much as possible over on Mama Bear, my mm-hmm. account over there. We talk about sex once a month and it always comes up. And I have listeners or people over there on Instagram who are for porn, right? And they still will follow me. And I love that. I love that they are maybe not agreeing with how it's affected their life, right? But they've been open. And so sharing that and saying, hey, you go decide. Um, I'm not going to tell you what to believe. I'm going to share my experience. And that's what you guys do, which I really appreciate. So um, I also wanted to mention like the way that you've been able to share your story. It reminded me of this series we did called, it was back in 2019 called the five indicators of real recovery. And it's a five part series of our podcast talking about like the doing part right? Of how we show up better as partners when we're working our recovery. And it has zero to do with like, did you go to therapy today? Did you go to group today? It's the doing. And so, um, I just, for the listeners, if you want to do that unconventional way, there's, this is how you do it, right? Here's your indicators, right? So, um, I appreciate you being here today with us, Garrett and, um, sharing it ongoing with fight. Yeah. If I could go back to, um, Kobe's question about what I, what advice I would give to someone who wants to tell the truth. Um, I just want to say one, I had one more thought that I wanted to share and it's that um, I think that you and you got, you two are great examples of, um, of what a healthy person looks like. And I think that what I'm trying to say is today, I think I'm a better husband and a better friend and a better father than if I would have just not told the truth. And so I think that the advice I would have would be if you, that reward at the end is that, that you can, you're going to be a better friend and a better family member, a better husband or whatever it is, caregiver, if you're able to tell the truth. And so uh, I would just encourage people to tell the truth on that because there are rewards, even though there is fear there. Mm -hmm. And I just want to thank you guys for having me today because it's, for me, it it was a cool moment to sit down and talk with you guys and get to know you a little bit better. And yeah, I look up to you too and you as well, B. Thanks. And Garrett, keep fighting the good fight, man. You're awesome. We appreciate your work. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a difference as well. It makes a big difference. So um, guys, if you've, if you've, uh, heard something here that you have been like wowed by share this episode, if you've heard something that's like really touched you share this episode and, uh, you just never really know who this is going to help, who needs to hear that. And, and this is, uh, this is unique to, to our podcast. So Garrett, we appreciate what you've shared and what you brought and man, keep it up. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks.